You are listening to Pastor Don Cherry from Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, recorded Sunday, March 6, 2022. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or find us on all things social at svbcfamily. Well, this morning, I want you to take your Bibles and go to 1 Thessalonians. I'm not going to tell you exactly where yet, because it'll be a very familiar uh, portion of scripture. Um, y'all remember that saying that uh, when it seems like things can't get worse, they get worse. Okay? You know, and it seems like we're living in just such a time as that. You know, uh, in particular last year, I know, you know, we could go back and trace things over the years and decades and something as things have been going down and everything, but. <clears throat> um, um, what was it, just last week or two weeks ago and everything, we looked at uh, Russia has invaded Ukraine. You know, and we need to be praying, you know, for the Ukrainians. But you know what? I think we also need to be praying for the Russians because I bet you there's a lot of their citizens that don't support, you know, what Putin's doing and such like that. And, um, of course, they know better than speak out or something because they could end up in who knows where and everything. But nonetheless, you know, we need to be certainly praying for that. Uh, So here we are, and that has dominated you know, the headlines this last week. And then here, this week, you know, um, it, craziest thing. So Wednesday, I fill up my car. I come down here to State Line because it's usually cheaper than what it is in West Virginia. And I come down, it's three seventy nine. I thought, wow, you know, that's like 20 cents, you know, where, where it was for a little bit there. And then yesterday, you know, when um, I went home from here, you know, it's 409, 409. And diesel is 509 there. And you know what? In my, and I shared this with our Sunday school class, in my 66 years on this planet, I have never seen $4 a gallon gasoline. You know? And when I stopped at the Exxon down there, I asked the young lady behind the counter, I said, when's this price hike going to stop? And she said, we don't know. But here's something she said that I thought was frightening. She said, it's very possible that at the end of the month, before the end of the month, we'll be out of gas. I'm thinking, you know, we can remember those gas lines, okay, and that embargo back in the 70s and everything. If we see that again and everything, you know what's going to hit the fan, you know, here in this country. So, I mean, these, these are just things that are, are here. These aren't things that, hey, it's coming. No, these are things that are here, you know. And so we kind of wonder, all right, where is this all going to take us? You know, what, what is the answer down the road? It was Tom, uh, Thomas Paine, I think, that made the statement. It was during the Revolutionary War. He said, these are the times that try men's souls. I think we're in those times today, you know. And as believers, and Dr. Jeremiah mentioned it this morning, you know, I'm going to keep telling you guys until you get bored with me. You know, if you're not here for Sunday school, you are missing a blessing. You know, we're seeing some good things, some information come out here, encouraging and all like that. It will encourage you as these times go on. So I want to encourage you, man, be here. Everything You will get something tremendously out of that from uh, Dr. Jeremiah's teaching. But the times that try men's souls, you know, we, we, we just, in that age where people are wondering, what in the world's next? Man, this has happened, this has happened, this has happened. How, how much worse can it get? And according to Scripture, it's going to get worse, okay? It's going to get worse. But I'm going to take about the next four weeks, you know, and I'm going to go through 
um, just a series, kind of says, The Believer's Hope Going Forward. And with that, I'm going to deal primarily with four subjects. And all we're going to deal with the rapture. And this all has to do with, with the believers, okay? So I'm going to deal with the rapture. We're going to deal with that today. We're going to look at the tribulation period, not what takes place here on earth, but what takes place in heaven for the believer, okay? We're going to look at that. We're going to look at the return of Christ, and then we're going to look at the millennial kingdom, okay? So those are going to be four weeks. I want to encourage you about that. But this has to do with the hope you and I have going forward. Okay, and I, I hope it'll be encouraging to you, but I also hope that it will be uh, sobering in some way, just understanding we don't have a whole lot of time. Now, I can't sit here and say we've got another month, we've got six months, we've got, nobody can do that, right? We just can't do that. But we can, and I'll put it this way, we can read the fig leaves, okay? We can see what God's Word has said, things to look out for. And folks, we're seeing much of that, much of that even today. So I want to deal with, uh, as we said, uh, the return of the Lord um, uh, in, in the rapture and such. And the return of the Lord was on the minds of those early believers, even in the first century. Matter of fact, you remember Jesus' disciples and everything in Matthew chapter 24, ask him, what will be the sign of your coming? Okay, tell us these things. And Paul dealt with the uh, coming of Christ. Peter dealt with the coming of Christ. So, I mean, this was just a subject that was on their mind, you know, asking, when is this going to take place? How is it going to take place? Give us a sign. And then in particular, what Paul is addressing here in Thessalonians, those who ask the question, well, what about those who have died? What about my mom? What about my dad who has died? What about my little baby who has died? You know, what, what happens to them at this time? You see, because it was spoken to about the coming, but what, how, how does it fold? How does it unfold? How does it come about? And so that's what we want to deal with. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture for you. So I, I'm not going to belabor the whole thing and everything, but verse, starting in verse 13, Paul says, and he's speaking to the church of Thessalonica, says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now I want to stop right there for just a moment, okay? Because I think there's something in there we need to kind of unpack just a little bit. First of all, he says, if we believe, all right? What's he talking about there? Well, he tells us what we are to believe. Do we believe that Jesus died and rose again? All right? Do we believe? Because here's the thing. If Jesus died but never, never rose again, we might as well go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a couple donuts, a cup of coffee, because there's no sense being here. Okay? We, no hope. Okay? There's nothing out there if Christ never arose. But remember what we talked about last week and all, he was the first fruit. He must first raise, and that is the guarantee and the hope that we have that we too will raise when that time comes, okay? And that's what we're seeing, we're going to see here today, here in Thessalonians 4. But notice, he says unto them, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. Now, what are we talking about here in Jesus? I want you to understand, folks. I want you to understand that everybody sitting in a church today, everybody who would call themselves a Christian today does not necessarily mean that they're going to heaven. Okay? 
Now, before you start throwing something at me, listen to what I'm talking about, all right? I would challenge you to do this sometime. Go down to the walking mall in Winchester. Go down to the walking mall and just randomly ask people, do you believe in Jesus? And you'll probably get maybe seven, eight out of ten, okay? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Okay, that's not too bad, seven, eight out of ten. But now ask them this question. Do you know you're going to heaven when you die? The percentage drops. You start hearing people say, well, I think I am. I hope I am. I'm pretty sure I am. And what we need to understand is Bible salvation is a no-so salvation. Do you understand that this morning? 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, the Bible says that the Word of God itself has been written to those who believe in the name of the Son of God, now listen to it, that you may know. It doesn't say that you may guess or whatever else like that. It says that you may know that you have eternal life. All right? Salvation is a no-so. All right? Now, you may not remember the exact day. You may not remember the exact time. Okay? I was saved during my sophomore year in high school. I know it was during the month of February, but I can't tell you what day or what time it was, okay? But I know there came a time when I realized I better get this thing straight. And I confessed my sins, and I asked the Lord to come into my heart and be my Savior, you see. And from that point on, I know where my eternity is. And folks, this morning, listen to me. I don't care if you've been in this church 30, 40, 50 years. I don't care. I just want you to make sure that you know, that you know, that it's what we're going to look at if the Lord comes back, that, that you're immediately going to be with Him. Okay? Because the Bible does say this, to be absent from the body, death, to be present with the Lord. Amen? I want you to make sure of that. I want you to make sure. Okay? That's what the Bible talks about being in Christ. Okay? Your church membership won't get you there. Your baptism won't get you there. I don't care what you do. It's not going to get you there. It's only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and faith and trust in the finished work of Christ. All right? Got that? Everybody understand? Amen? All right? All right. I want you to make sure as we go on. Now, the rapture. And don't go looking through your Bibles for that word rapture. It's not in there. Okay? Rapture is a Latin word that kind of replaced caught up. All right? Scripture tells us to be caught up. And all rapture, same thing. Okay? That's what we refer to as. So let's move on here. Look at verse 15. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. Okay? So this is God's word. This is not man's word. That we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Now, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Okay, that's, everybody knows that, don't we? Okay, what a definition that is. 
But as Dr. Jeremiah said, and this is so neat, because some of the songs that Scott picked out and everything, I love it when a plan comes together. He had no idea my message. Dr. Jeremiah didn't know what I was going to preach today. Okay? So this is neat when this all comes together like this. But there is no prophecy in Scripture that leads us to the rapture like there is Matthew chapter 24 leading us to the second coming of Christ. So I want you to understand that. The rapture and the revelation are two different things. Okay? So we've got to get that. However, there are scriptures that allude to this event called the rapture. Okay? And we're going to look at a couple of those uh, here in just a moment. But if you go back to Genesis, there's a fellow by the name of Enoch. Any of y'all heard of Enoch? Okay? He was before Noah. All right? And there's not a lot said about Enoch. He didn't build a great temple. He didn't have a tremendous following of people or anything like that. You know, there's just nothing, you know, extraordinary as far as that goes about Enoch, okay? But there's two things the Bible says about him. One, it says that Enoch walked with God. He walked with him. His life, his lifestyle, okay, just reflected his knowledge of God, and his relationship with God. And, you know, that's no different today than for you and I. And I think our lifestyle is to be a reflection of Christ in us, you see. But too often and everything, yep, I'm a Christian, I go to church, I have a Bible in my house, and then we go and do our own thing. Man, that, 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 that's not Bible Christianity, okay? It needs to be Christ in us, the Bible says, the hope of glory. You know, that we live and that we breathe and we have our being in Christ, you see, on a day-to-day basis. Not Sunday to Sunday, on a day-to-day basis, you see. And so, it said that he walked with God. Then the second thing that it said about Enoch is that God took him, for he was not. God took him, for he was not. Now, how do we, how do we, how's that similar with the rapture? Well, the rapture is where God removes his children prior to the judgment of God upon this world, which is called the tribulation period. Okay? Everybody following with me so far? Enoch was taken. He did not suffer physical death. God took him, and he was not. And after that, the flood came. You see, after that, the flood. What was the flood? God's judgment upon the sin of this world. You see the similarity there? Okay, we have that. We have that similarity. But now let's look at a couple scriptures in the New Testament for a moment. Go over to the Gospel of John. And you know exactly where I'm going, don't you? John chapter what? 14. John chapter 14. I've quoted that. That's like one of two scriptures I have memorized. You know, I, no, it's not, not that pathetic. But anyhow, Jesus, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, Mike, believe also in me. Now here's where we want to look. In my Father's house are many mansions. We're going to look at that house for just a moment. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now listen to verse 3. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Here's what you need to underline. And receive you unto myself. That where I am, 
there you may be also. All right? So let's break that down just a little bit. First of all, he says, in the Father's house are many mansions. Okay? Now, we have no clue where the Father's house is. Jesus is just telling us that in my Father's house, there are many mansions. Theologians often refer to that as the third heaven. Okay? Then in the Bible, there are basically three heavens that are mentioned. The first heaven is the sky, or the birds and the plains. Okay? That's the first heaven. The second heaven is the celestial area, the stars, the planets, all that stuff. Okay? That's the second heaven. The third heaven is the abode of God. We know that there is a place. We don't know, again, where or anything about it. We just know it's there because Jesus said, in my Father's house, okay, are many mansions, all right? So this is the abode of God that he's talking about. And then in verse 3, I had you pay attention to that. He said, I will come again and do what? I will receive you unto myself. Now that too is different from the return, all right? Because in the return, he's not receiving anybody, okay? He's coming back with his saints. But here in the rapture, he is coming to receive his saints. You're going to be with me because he says, where I am, there you may be also. So where is Jesus, okay? Well, if he's God, and he is, his abode is in the third heaven, okay? And Scripture tells us he is at the right hand of the Father, so what, is, what are we seeing here? We're seeing where Christ comes, receives those who are his. How do we know those who are his? That's who John's addressing, okay? That's who Jesus is addressing in the gospel, okay? You believe in God, believe also in me, okay? You believe also in me. So I'm going to receive you, those who believe, I'm going to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also, okay? Now, how does that tie in with First, uh, First Thessalonians 4? Look at there. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord, where? In the air, and so shall we whatever be with the Lord, you see. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Where I am, there you may be also. All right, let's move on to another, if we may, for just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want you to go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't mind moving around your Bible today a little bit, I'm going to look at a couple of things. This will be the last scripture that we will look at. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is dealing with the same subject, okay? Paul is alluding to this time when believers are going to be removed from here, okay? When believers are going to be removed. 1 Corinthians 15, look at 51. Now he says, behold, I show you a mystery, all right? How many of y'all love mystery novels? My mom was a big Agatha Christie fan. Anybody ever read her? Agatha Christie, my mom, was a, she, she loved Agatha Christie, you know, mysteries. So what is a mystery in the Bible? Well, a mystery is that which was previously concealed is now revealed, okay? So Paul is revealing something that people did not fully understand, okay? He's bringing it to clarity. He's bringing it to light. He said, I'm going to show you a mystery. 
We shall not all sleep. Where did we see that word? Back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, okay, about those who are asleep. Sleep is a term that is used in all for believers who have died, okay? Believers who have died. Because when you think of somebody who's asleep, well, they're going to awake again, aren't they? You know, you're gonna, the alarm's going to go off, whatever like that. You're going to awake, all right? Well, that's the reference here and all. Those who have gone to sleep, they're going to be reawakened. They're going to be awakened again, okay? So we realize that the grave's not, not, the, not the last, all right? Okay, that's not it. That there is something more for those who are in Christ. Those who believe, okay, that Jesus died and rose again. All right? I want you to understand that. So, that which was concealed is now revealed. And then he says, go on, verse 51, but we shall all be changed and changed. Now you think, well, how, how am I going to be changed? Am I going to grow another arm, you know? Am I going to have six toes instead of five? You know, how are we all going to be changed here? Well, I'm glad you asked because Paul describes that. He says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Now, I don't know, Scott, in your studies and everything, but, but in what I have heard is that the twinkling of an eye is the shutter speed of a camera. Have you heard anything other than that? Shutter speed of a camera. If you have a camera, well, nobody has cameras anymore. We do it on our phones and everything. But remember a camera, you push the button, tick, tick, that was it. That was called a twinkling of an eye. So as quick as a camera shutter can open and close, that's, what we're that's the time frame we're talking here. In the twinkling of an eye. Now look at the last trump. Again, where do we hear that? First Thessalonians 4. The trump shall sound. Okay, the trumpet shall sound. That trumpet is talking about and everything. Eric is a shofar, right? That's the Jewish trumpet. Okay, the ram's horn. The shofar is used on many occasions, but two primary occasions, it was blown in a certain way to denote enemies approaching. Everybody get ready. Get the gate shut. Get, you, get to your stations. Enemies coming. The other, another way it was blown in a certain way was to denote that a dignitary was approaching. Another king. A prince, somebody of importance is, is approaching, and we need to make ready, okay, for this dignitary who's coming. So what are we seeing in this time that the Lord is going to come to receive his children? A trumpet's going to sound. Why? Because the dignitary, okay, is approaching. A dignitary is approaching. He says the trumpet will sound. Now look, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Okay, so who's the dead? We. Who's the we? Corinthian believers. Okay, believers. You got that? Okay, so he's talking to believers. So he's talking to those who know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Whether it's 2,000 years ago at Corinth or 2022 here at Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church or in the United States of America. Okay, we get that? Okay, he's talking to believers today. And then he says, here is how we are going to be changed. Verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. All right? Now, the corruptible. What are we talking about, the corruptible? Well, let me ask you something. What happens to a body that is buried? Dead body, buried. Okay, we've all done that with loved ones or whatever. Barry, I don't mean to get 
gross here or anything, but you know, what happens to that body? It decays, right? You know, just to be honest with you, it rots. Okay? Because after all, the Bible tells us we were created from what? Dust. And where are we going back to? Dust. All right? We got that? We understand? So he's saying that those who have died in Christ, corruptible, will put on what? Incorruption, that which is not corruptible. Okay? Have I got everybody? Understand it there? And then he goes on to say, and this mortal, in other words, me, alive today, must put on what? Immortality. Put on that which will never die. What do we see in Thessalonians? The dead in Christ shall rise first. That which is corruptible shall rise first and put on incorruption. Then we, alive, mortal, will put on what? Immortality. You see how that goes? You understand how that goes? I hope, this, I hope this, you're seeing this pattern here and everything. So the dead, the corruptible, will put on that which is incorruption, and we which are alive and remain, mortal, will put on immortality. Now, why incorruptible? Why immortality? Well, think and keep in mind, where's Christ coming? He's coming in the air, okay? He's receiving believers unto himself. And where is he taking them to? The Father's house. Okay, I don't know about you, but this body here can't make that trip, all right? Because I know you get up so high up into the air, and guess what? You can't breathe. You freeze. And if you pass through the atmosphere and get out in space, you know what's going to happen? You're going to blow up, all right? So this body can't make that trip. So therefore, I'm putting on that which is immortal, you see. Yeah, well, I'm not doing it. God's doing it. You, you get that. Okay, and the corruptible must put on that which is incorruptible to get base it to make that trip. And I don't know how long it's going to be, but he's God, it could be like that. You know, I don't know. I'll just leave it in his hands. You see, I'm not going to worry about that kind of stuff. Now, again, putting on that incorruptible, that, Im that immortal. What's the scripture that ties into that? First John chapter 3, verse 2 tells us when the Lord comes back, we're going to see him, okay? And you know what it also says? We're going to be like him. We're going to be like him. We'll be perfect. In every, we won't be God, but we'll be perfect in every way, you know, to make that trip, to live in eternity, okay? Why? Because we shall see him as he used to be. Help me out, folks. Thank you, Terry. As he is right now, God, okay? That's how we're going to see him. So with that, now that I probably totally confused you, the whole thing behind this is what do we have to look forward to as believers going forward? Well, go back to Thessalonians, and we'll see that in verse 17 and 18. Verse 17 says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Okay? How's that? So shall we ever be with the Lord. Okay? Christ is going to be there. We're going to see him in all his beauty and all his glory and everything, you see. And I've told you before, I don't care what heaven's like. 
I don't care if it's a shack on the backside of a wood somewhere. Or all. If Jesus is there, that's all that matters, you see, to see him as he is. And I think, too, to view the nail scars in his hands and his feet as an eternal reminder of what he did for us, as an eternal reminder of his love for us. This is God, folks. He didn't have to, but he chose to, you see because of his great love for us. That we will be with him. And then, verse 18, and this is how I want to wrap the whole thing up and put the ribbon on it. Comfort one another with these words. Headlines aren't comforting. Gas prices aren't comforting. Inflation index isn't comforting. Wars and rumors of wars isn't comforting, especially when that nutcase over in Russia is another thing talking about, hey, we're going to get our nukes ready. You know, think about that. Okay? So when the, when, when the powers that be start pushing the buttons and everything, just hang on, because it ain't going to be much longer. You understand what I'm saying? Okay? But God's Word says, comfort each other. Okay? Because we have a hope that is beyond this world. Okay, And that doesn't mean that you go home, pull the shades, lock the doors, and wait. We understand that we're here for one another, to encourage one another. At the time, you know, God's got this thing. But also, folks, those who we know, those who we love, those who we care for, time's short. We've got to be a light. We've got to share that. Most of the time, yeah, they're going to reject you. Most of the time, they say, I don't want to hear it. But you know what? Jesus just told us to tell. The results are his, amen. The results are his, you know. Let's comfort one another that God's got this thing. The world may seem like it's spinning out of control, but I can promise you there is no panic in heaven. God knows what's taking place.